All right. Well, good morning and welcome to H2O. It's so good to have you here with us. My name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here. I uh, want to give a, a special welcome and a shout out to H2O Akron, who's getting started this week as well. And they're joining us via video, which is really cool. If you don't know, H2O is a part of uh, a 10 church network that we actually started about 10 years ago. And so as you sit here today, right here in Bowling Green, you can know that there's actually thousands of us gathered throughout the state and many of us on college campuses as well as in the cities that are represented in those college campuses. And it's so fun to be together. We love this time of year. It's an exciting time of year. And uh, as we are starting off a new semester, we're actually launching into a new series uh, that we're calling Let Me Be Me. And maybe you've heard that phrase kind of floating around uh, the city or the campus. Maybe you've heard that at your place of work or in your classes. Somebody just says, let me be me or you do you. And, and that phrase is something that we say a lot. And I think the reality of that phrase and the reason why it's so important and the reason why it's kind of uh, has this prominence now in our world is because as a culture and as a world, we value authenticity, don't we? We value realness. We value honesty. And, and there's nothing that most of us can't stand more than, than somebody who's a little bit fake. There's nothing that we can't stand more than somebody who's just kind of trying to put on a show for us. And so as we are launching into this semester, and there's lots of new people that are, that are coming around and checking out H2O, we just wanted to start off this year with just being real to you with who we are. And so we're calling this series Let Me Be Me. And, and the, the hope is that you get an accurate picture of who we are here as a church at H2O because I know that sometimes uh, going to church or visiting a church or checking out a church, maybe for a first time or one of your first times, it can almost feel a little bit like a first date. You know, if you think about that, that analogy or that comparison, sometimes you can kind of walk into a service and you're like, is this a real picture of who these people are or is this kind of like the first date version of who they are? Have you ever been on a first date where, um, you know, you, you put a little bit of extra work into how you look, how you're going to present yourself because you know that you're making a, a first impression. Uh, I remember for myself, my first date was my wife. I actually met her uh, right here at, at Bowling Green, and, uh, and so we've been kind of hanging out a little bit uh, on campus. We were both students, and I was pretty sure that she liked me. Uh, we'd, we'd talked some here and there, and I was getting good, you know, vibes from her, but we hadn't had that DTR, you know, that define the relationship moment yet, and so I, I got up the guts, and I was like, uh, Sarah, I, I'd like to take you out to dinner this Friday night, and, and she was like, Okay, yeah, and I'm like, okay, that's a good sign. You know, I'm off to a good start. She said yes to dinner, and so uh, I remember getting ready for that first date, and, uh, I, you know, I, I put a little extra cologne on. I put some nicer clothes on than I might normally do. I parted my hair just right. Uh, yes, I had hair uh, during that time. It, tells, it kind of dates me as to when it was, and maybe that's you. You know, you part your hair just right, or you mess your hair up exactly how you want it messed up, whatever you do, you do you, right? And so I spent some extra time getting ready and, and drove over and picked her up, and, and I remember being nervous, you know, throughout the first date, because I, I knew I needed to get the words out and, and kind of let her know that I wanted to actually formalize our relationship, and those weren't the language I used. I'd like to formalize our relationship, you know. No, it wasn't like that, you know, but I, I knew I needed to tell her something, um, but, but it was, it was nerve-wracking, you know. If you've been in that situation, you know. So we went out to Sambi's. We went all throughout dinner, and uh, as we were eating, I just couldn't get the words out, and so I was like, well, let's go get dessert, you know, and so finally, on the drive to dessert, I was just like, I got to go for it. And I knew it was a big moment because I knew she was kind of out of my league, you know. And so I was like, I, I, I just got to say, you know, I, I have feelings for you. And I'd love it if, if we could, you know, be boyfriend and girlfriend. Do you feel the same way? 
I'm like, just waiting. And she said, yes. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. And so we went to Chuck E. Cheese to celebrate, actually, and, <laughs> and played air hockey. That was our first date, you know. But, but as, as you think about that analogy, you know, you do put a little extra time and energy and work into trying to make a good first impression. But the question is, like, are you real? Are you actually being you? And so as we come to this time of year, we decided as a church, as a staff team, that this first series that we wanted to lay out who we actually are. You know, uh, no show, no performance, just straight up, this is what we're all about here at H2O. And our desire is that we wouldn't water things down or try to look better than we actually are, but we would welcome you into our family as a church and be real with what we believe, with where we're going as a church, and with who we are, and let you decide whether this is something that you want to be part of if you're checking out things uh, for one of the first times here at H2O. So this series, it's three weeks long, and we're going to hit these three main connections that our church is all about. And so our church really is about these three connections that we believe all of life is marked by. Our connection up with God, our connection in with community and relationship, and a connection out on mission to reach the world around us. And so the most important connection of those three starts today as we talk about our connection up with God. And, you know, even that, that series title, Let Me Be Me, it, it's kind of an interesting phrase that our, our culture and our world has adopted because it, it has this, this connotation of identity, right? And, and to actually be yourself, you have to first know who you are, right? You know, sometimes it's like, I, I want to be myself, but I'm still trying to discover who I am. I want to be myself, but I'm trying to figure out what life is all about. And it's an interesting dilemma that many of us find ourselves in because the reality is we want to be real, but some of us are still figuring out who we actually are. Whether we're young or whether we're old, it's a, it's a predicament that many of us find ourselves in. And so today, as we open up the Word of God and as we study the Bible together, I want to talk about this, this big idea and discover it together. And the big idea is this, that life is about finding Jesus, not finding yourself. Okay, think about that. Life is actually about finding Jesus, not finding yourself. Now, of course, I know that, that it's important for us to get to know ourselves. Of course, I know that there is some self-discovery that all of us need to do. That is an extremely part uh, of being a human being. But in the end of the day, life is about actually finding Jesus, not just finding yourself. And so much of our world has made so much of who we are all about being self-centered, all about us. And it ends up actually leaving us a little bit empty if we're just constantly thinking about ourselves, only thinking about who we are, rather than thinking about who we were made to worship and who we were made to serve. And so as we go into this series and we're thinking about this connection up with God, I want to discover that life is about finding Jesus, not just finding yourself. And if you really want to find yourself, which is an important part of life, then it starts with knowing who God is. It starts with discovering who Jesus is and, and opening up the Bible and figuring out how much he loves you and how much he cares for you and who he says you are. And then when we figure out what Jesus says about ourselves, then and only then can we discover ourselves. So we can't get it flipped around. We can't figure out and make it all about ourselves and then secondarily come to God. We first have to run to God, figure out who Jesus is, figure out who God is, and then that will inform who we are as well. And so I want to look at a passage today in uh, the book of John, chapter 21. And uh, this passage, it's, it's a classic passage where Jesus is talking to Peter. And, uh, and he asked Peter the most important question that any of us can ever answer in life. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But I need to do a little background, a little setup, because this passage 
it's so profound and so classic only because of what happens before what we're about to read. So you have to, you have to get this picture in the context of what's going on in this situation where Jesus and Peter are interacting. Uh, as you may know, Jesus had lots of different followers when he was here on earth, but he had 12 disciples specifically. And then within those 12 disciples, he had three disciples who he was super close with, Peter, James, and John. And so Peter and Jesus, Peter was kind of like the loudmouth of the group of the disciples, if you want to get to know him a little bit. He was the one who would just say outlandish things. He was the thing who kind of, he was the one who kind of thought he had it all together. And so uh, Peter would oftentimes like correct Jesus. It's like, you're, you're correcting the son of God. What are you thinking? You know, but that's how kind of proud he was at certain times in his life and in his ministry. So what happens before this passage that we're about to open up and look at today is Peter and, and Jesus are, are having this conversation and Jesus is starting to tell his disciples how it's all going to end. Jesus is starting to lay out to his disciples, hey, listen, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to raise again. And, and then Jesus says this. He says, and listen, Peter, you think that you're so great, but actually, before I even get crucified, you're going to deny me three different times. Peter's like, never, Lord. That is impossible. I am so committed to you. There's no way I could ever possibly deny you. Just not going to happen, Jesus. And so, of course, the events of history play out. And, and, and Jesus is betrayed. He's taken prisoner. And, and Peter is standing around this fire with this mob mentality that's going on because people were really excited about Jesus. And all of a sudden, they turned on Jesus. And so some of Jesus' followers and, and, and some of Jesus' you know, opponents are standing around this fire after Jesus had been arrested. And Peter is one of them. And he's standing there at the fire. And all of a sudden, the people around it, they say, Hey, looking at Peter, aren't you one of those guys who, who hung out with Jesus? Aren't you one of the, the disciples? Aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? And, and Peter, we can probably infer he was a little bit nervous. He was a little bit scared. They had just taken Jesus. They're probably going to kill him. And so his first answer is no. No, not at all. I'm not, I'm not with that Jesus guy. Okay. The crowd goes back to, to talking a little bit more. Second time, somebody else in the crowd. Hey, wait a minute. You look a lot like that guy who's hanging out with Jesus. Aren't you actually one of his best friends? You know, aren't you one of his followers? Second time, Peter, no, no, just leave me alone about it. No, that's not me. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. A third time, a third time, the crowd now points him out and say, yes, that you are that guy. I know that you're that guy that was hanging out with Jesus. You have to be one of his followers. You look exactly like him. And the Bible says that Peter actually got angry. He might have even used some colorful language. He said, no possible way. I do not know that Jesus man. Leave me alone about it. And then at that moment, this rooster crows, which Jesus told Peter, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter is broken. Because he realizes he had kind of elevated himself to a spiritual level that he actually shouldn't have been elevated to. He actually did the very thing that he said he would not do. He denied Jesus who he loved and who he cared for and who he said he would do anything for. That's what happens as we set up this story. So as the rest of the events go, Jesus is, is captured. He's put on trial. It's a mock trial, if you know anything about it. It's, it's not even fair. It's not even real, right? And so Jesus gets sentenced to death. He gets crucified. He hangs on the cross. We've all heard of Jesus being on the cross, and he dies. Well, the amazing truth about the Bible and about the gospel is Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He was dead for three days, but he rose from the dead. 
Okay, and so now we pick up the story in John chapter 21, and Jesus is actually alive. Jesus is actually walking around on this earth with his disciples. He's risen from the dead, and the disciples obviously are just in amazement because Jesus rising from the dead is validity and and, and validating the fact that Jesus actually is the man he said he was, and that's where we pick up the story in John chapter 21, verse 15. It says this, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. And a third time. A third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And I want to stop there for a minute and pull out from this that loving God leads to experiencing forgiveness. Loving God leads to experiencing forgiveness. Did you catch what happened there in that moment? Remember this number three uh, that, that Peter had denied Jesus three different times, even when he said that he would never do it? How many times did Jesus ask Peter this question, the most important question that you can ever answer in life? Do you love me? Not one time, not two times, but three times. And so what Jesus is doing is he's tying these two events together. He's saying, listen, Peter, I know I wasn't there. I was actually in jail when you were denying me three times, but I know about it. I know what happened. I, 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 I'm omniscient. Jesus, we believe, is God. So he has an understanding of what Peter did in that moment. And so he asked him this three times to tie these two events together and say, listen, Peter, I want you to know that I completely understand what happened. But I want you to know that I love you and forgive you anyway. You see, when we love God, we get to experience his forgiveness. And listen, none of us are above falling, are we? You know, Peter truly was, even though he was hot-headed and even though he spoke a lot of things that may not have always been true, Peter was an amazing man, an amazing follower of Jesus, and yet he fell. And so none of us are above following, and maybe you're here, and maybe you're brand new to Bowling Green, or maybe you're just getting involved in the church, and maybe you're a little bit on top of the world thinking, I'm going to just never fall, I'm not going to never make a mistake. Well, Peter himself fell, but here's the beautiful thing about following Jesus, is that while, no, while none of us are above following, also none of us are above the forgiveness of Jesus as well. See, the forgiveness of Christ is, is like leveling the playing field. The forgiveness of Jesus puts all of us on the same playing field that every single one of us at some point, probably often, probably multiple times a day, will need the love and forgiveness of Jesus. But when we follow Jesus, failure is not final. Failure is not final as we are following Christ. And it's a beautiful thing to know that we can rest in the arms of God even when we make mistakes. And so Peter was not defined by his failure but Peter was defined by his relationship with Jesus. And if we want to talk about identity, if we want to talk about you being you and me being me, then we have to start by saying we are not defined by our weaknesses or our failures, but we're defined by the love of Christ. And did you catch that question that Jesus asked Peter? Man, it's such a powerful question. It's a question that we all have to wrestle with because Jesus wasn't just asking Peter this. Through his word, he's asking all of us, do you love me? Do you 
love me? The most important question that any of us can ever answer. Why is it so important? Because listen, our hearts, the human heart, every single one of us, our hearts are meant to worship. Our hearts were made to love something or someone. So every single one of us in here will end up worshiping something or someone. That's how God designed us. And if we don't end up worshiping Jesus, then we'll end up worshiping something else, which will eventually become an idol. There's lots of different things that we could worship, even good things. But the question of do we love Jesus, do we love God, is the place where all ministry, all fruitfulness, all abundance of life has to flow from. And so as you think about kind of checking out H2O or you think about being around and involved here for, for quite some time, you may ask the question, why do you do everything that you do? Why, why do you serve? Why do you care? Why do you go on mission trips? Why do you love people? Why do you share the gospel? The, the answer to that one question that Jesus asked is why we do it all. It's why we have to do it all. Everything that we do has to be based on love for Jesus. And so as a church, this is primary about who we are. We're men and women that are lovers of God, and all ministry that we do is out of an overflow of that. Jesus says, if you want to feed my sheep, you first have to love me. And so as we look at that, we have to be passionate about loving God. Let's, let's read on a little bit more because there's some other interesting things that happen in this exchange. The, the second thing starts in verse 18. It says this, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. See, the second thing we can learn to this, from this is that loving God leads to trials. Loving God leads to trials. Hey, we're just being ourselves. We just have to be honest. I can guarantee you one thing. Every single one of us will face some type of trial in our life. And I don't know what your trial will be. I don't know what your situation will be, but all of us will face it. And how do we know that? Because Jesus asked Peter the most important question you can ask him, do you love me? Peter says yes three times, and then Jesus says, okay, well, great, you're going to come and die for me. You know, thanks for signing up. Thanks for answering yes. Here's your reward. You get to die for me. That's kind of heavy, isn't it? That's, that's kind of deep, isn't it? But listen, as followers of Christ, we are in this position where every single one of us will face trials at some point, and we don't get to decide what those are. But as followers of Jesus, just as Jesus followed the Father's will, even to the point of death, we have to be committed to following God through any circumstance that he brings us through. And, and Jesus is those two words are kind of these essential words to anybody who actually wants to be, uh, not just lip service, but actually wants to follow Jesus. These two words, follow me. Follow me. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on surrounding you, no matter how uncertain you are, are you willing to follow me? No matter where the path leads, are you willing to follow me? Jesus says another way in Luke chapter 9, verse 24, he says, anyone who wants to find their life will lose it, but whoever will lose their life for my sake will find it. And so there's a cost sometimes at following Jesus. That's the reality that we find ourselves in. But man, it's so beautiful, and it's so worth it. John Piper, he, he says it like this. He, he says, find something that you're willing to die for, and then go live for it. Find something that you're willing to die for 
and then go live for it. And so as you think about our lives, how brief they are, how short they actually are, the question is not even what are you willing to die for, but what are you willing to live for? What are you willing to give all your passion and your energy and your excitement for? And we believe wholeheartedly here at H2O that Jesus is the only one who's worth our lives, and Jesus is the only one who's worth even our deaths. And Jesus confirms it as he's talking to Peter here. So loving God, it will lead to trials. But man, those trials will lead to beautiful things as we're able to point people towards Christ. And then I want to close up with this last part uh, of this passage because this is typical Peter, but I think it's typical humanity as well. Verse 20, Peter turned and he saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper table. It's John who's actually writing this. He doesn't want to say his name, but this is the one who leaned back against the supper table and, and it said, Lord, who's going to betray you? Well, that's you, John. Okay, so when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? You get the scene? Peter, Jesus, walking in front of the rest of the disciples. Jesus says, hey, do you love me? Peter says, yes. He says, okay, you're going to die for me. They're walking along the road, and he says, well, what about him? <laughs> What about the guy behind me? You love him too, right? He loves you. What's going on with him? Jesus answers, if I want to remain, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Those two words, follow me. And because of this, rumor spread among believers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say they would not die. He only said if he wanted them to remain Alive until he returned, what is it to you? See, third and finally, we can learn from this, that loving God should erase comparison. Loving God should erase comparison. I think that Peter is so typical of so many of us here. He's having this encounter with Jesus, and it's just him and Jesus. He just got forgiven for denying Jesus three times, and Jesus gives him some hard news. Some real hard news. In fact, history tells us that, that Peter would actually end up being crucified just like Jesus was. But he didn't want to be crucified exactly like Jesus was, so they crucified him upside down. It was a pretty hard death that Peter ended up taking on. And so Jesus is telling him these things, and he's like, yeah, but what about everybody else? I can't believe you're going to give me that assignment and let him off the hook. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. But see, loving God allows us to look at him and run towards him and not worry about what's going on around us. Because we can trust that God is fair. We can trust that God is loving. We can trust that God is consistent. And so whatever God may ask us to go through or do, whether it's a trial, whether it's an opportunity, we can look at him and say, all right, God, I'm going to trust you, that that's what you have for me. And I'm not going to compare myself or worry about what you have for other people. I'm going to be faithful to what you've called me to. You know, for those of you who don't know me, um, I have three kids. I have a, a 10-year-old, uh, almost 9-year-old, and a 5-year-old. And um, we were out at the stadium yesterday. The uh, Falcon athletes put on this really cool event where we got to uh, go around and interact with some of the different athletes. And they had different games that you could play. And so uh, my daughter was actually in a soccer tournament, but my, my two boys were with me. 
And so we were kind of going around and hanging out with some of the different players that we knew and, and playing some of the games. And, and as we were there, um, my, my, my middle son, he saw this game. It was a hockey game. And, and the, my two sons are really different. You know, my youngest is just like, he'll just go and try anything. My middle son is a little bit more tentative, you know. And so I'm trying to, like, push him to do different things and get out of his comfort zone and let him know that it's okay to fail. And so my, my, my five-year-old Isaac, he runs up to the hockey thing. He's like, I'm going to do this. And my, my other son's like, ah, I don't really want to do it. And I'm like, no, I want you to do it. Come on. I want you to. And so it's just a slap shot thing where they're just hitting these hockey pucks, you know. And so uh, Isaac, my five-year-old, he walks up there. He hits these pucks, and he actually does pretty good. And the guys, they were great. You know, they let him score goals on. They had a goalie, but they let him score goals. And so Isaac's like, yeah, I'm awesome, man, you know. And he's, he's walking away from the hockey thing and feeling really good about himself. Well, Sam gets up there. He didn't really even want to do it. Um, but he, he gets up there, and he doesn't do very good. And, and he's eight, he's pretty competitive, and he, and, and he walks away, and he's so frustrated, and he's so mad, and he's like, see, I didn't want to do that. Isaac did better than me. Isaac's only five, and he did better than me. He didn't, Sam didn't even care that he missed the shots. He was just so mad that his little brother did better than him. He was comparing himself to his little brother. And I was like, listen, buddy, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what Isaac thinks. He was so worried about what other people around him thought. Don't worry about the, what the players think. Worry about what I think. And I'm proud of you, that you tried. That's all I honestly cared about, bud. All I wanted you to do is get out there and try. And if you made them all, great. And if you missed them all, that's fine too, because I want you to know that it's okay to try new things. He's like, yeah, but Isaac did better than me. I'm like, who cares? Worry about what I think. Don't worry about everybody else. And as we think about this reality of the comparison game that many of us can play in this life, in this world, many of us are kind of tempted to be like that. Yeah, well, well God, you've given this person an opportunity. What about me? How come I have a harder time with, with maybe I don't have a, a date. Maybe I, don't, maybe I haven't had that first date experience. Whatever the case may be, what, what about me? You've given other people these things. Where's my turn? Where's my opportunity? And I think God would say the same thing to us that I would say to my son. Listen, don't worry about everybody else. Worry about what I think. Worry about what I think. And Jesus' words were, what's it to you if I want John to never die and I want you to be crucified? Are you willing to follow me? And so as a church, we strive so hard to be men and women that are defined by the gospel, that are defined by that one question that Jesus asked Peter and that he's asking all of us, do you love me? See, if you want to find yourself, you have to find Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you realize that you are who he says you are. And that's a beautiful, beloved child of God who if you are in him has had your sins wiped away, who has been forgiven and you're not defined by your failure and you're not defined by your weaknesses, but you're defined by him and his love for you. And so you can't take pride in it and you can't look around and think that you're better than anybody else, but you can simply be thankful that you have a God that loves you and that cares for you and that died for you. That's what we're passionate about here at H2O. And we're excited and we hope that that's something that you want to be a part of. As well. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and we're going to spend some time worshiping together today.